this transformed character. Which we talked about this morning. But it continues with our growth in character. And uh, Rebecca and I uh, got a chance to see uh, the movie 42 this, uh, earlier this week. Anyone see uh, 42? Uh, a few of you? Okay, I, I really recommend it. It's a movie on Jackie Robinson and, uh, you know, a great uh, movie about, uh, you know, the first African-American to play in the major leagues. And he really needed to have the character to play baseball in a very racist, I believe it was 1945, I think it was, 46. Uh, but you really, really need to have the, the character uh, to play. And it was one of those movies, you know, sitting in it, both, both Rebecca and I, we had tears come down our face during different parts of the movie, uh, even though you know what's going to happen. But just seeing the intense, uh, intense time that was uh, back then. But there's a, a line in the movie, uh, Harrison Ford plays uh, the, uh, the owner who hires, you know, who gets Jackie Robinson to play for his team. But uh, in, in one of the, the exchanges there, uh, he, he's talking to Jackie Robinson about what it's going to be like to play baseball uh, in this kind of climate, in, in this world. To have an African-American play in a white man's sport, it's going to break all barriers. And uh, he got upset. Jackie Robinson uh, basically said to him, he said, you want a player who hasn't got the guts to fight back? And Harrison Ford says, no, I want a player who has the guts not to fight back. And what he's saying there is he needed the character to stay self-controlled in a situation that he'd be uh, incredibly abused, that he'd have to keep going, not lose his temper, even when threats were made, not quit, uh, not go off and try to beat somebody up, but stay focused on playing baseball. And it was one of those the movies that uh, was really a, a powerful uh, testimony, just the character it takes. I actually had the opportunity to work uh, at the Jackie Robinson Foundation at UCLA uh, back when I first moved to Los Angeles in 1995. And uh, it was a great opportunity to uh, learn more about Jackie Robinson. In fact, I remember the, the day they said, yeah, Rachel Robinson is going to be, be coming. And uh, you'll see that in the movie if you watch it. But uh, it was uh, you know, a great movie. I just that, That's a free plug. If you haven't seen it, I want to encourage you to see it because it's a great movie on character. Character. Let's talk about character. You know, We need the character to be self-controlled, faithful, and focused in living a life with purpose in a world full of distractions. You know, uh, character, the definition of character is moral excellence or firmness. Who we are when no one is looking. You know, uh, character transformation uh, needs to take place. If we're to be men who live with purpose, it's going to start with walking with God, but we must have the characters if we're going to live our lives with purpose. Helen Keller said, character cannot be developed in ease and, and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition-inspired, and success achieved. You know, it's so true that our characters cannot be developed in the easy times, but our characters really are developed in the times of trial, suffering, and hardship that we all go through. The question is, will we develop our characters during those times? The greatest basketball coach in uh, college basketball once said, who's that? John Wooden, amen. Uh, Be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. Sometimes we get more focused on our reputations, what people think of us, when really our concern needs to be with who we are on the inside. Abigail Van Buren said the best index to man's character is how he treats people who can't do any good. And how he treats people who can't fight back. Can't do him any good. 
You know, uh, it's true that our characters oftentimes are, are not what shows up when we're together. But who we are when we're by ourselves. Who we are when we pass that person on the street. Who we are in different stages of life. And, you know, 25 years ago, uh, this last January, I was baptized. I shared that earlier. But I've learned many character lessons over the last 25 years. I'm going to share a few with those uh, of you uh, uh, tonight. But I know that God has helped me grow my character uh, in a great way these last 25 years. And, and I'll just say right at the top, uh, two of the, the greatest character challenges that I've had to face is selfishness and pride. I shared about 1991, October 1991, about the, the uh, staffing we had to, to share about uh, how prideful I was. And, you know, at that time, uh, I was incredibly prideful, independent, self-reliant, and the whole time thinking, I'm, I'm doing really good. In fact, I remember about October 91 thinking, wow, we are, we are doing great. And uh, then realizing how prideful I am to my very core. You know, uh, a few of us ran uh, the Santa Barbara Mar- Half Marathon this last November. And uh, it was one of these things that uh, Jerry Lucero, some of you know Jerry. This is the first time Jerry's run a, a race of this sort. Uh, but Jerry and I trained together, and it was a great victory to run this uh, half marathon. But uh, one of the things that I did is I... Um, I had trained, and then when we got to the day of the race, uh, they had separated into three groups. And the first group was the time, uh, the mile, you know, a, a pace of, I think it was like uh, eight minutes and less. And then you had the nine minutes to 11 minutes, and then 12 minutes and more. And so I, um, I kind of was a dilemma because I hadn't trained that, that fast. I'm not really a runner by nature. I just started running more recently. But I decided to go in that first group. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool because you got a, the, the first time I actually ever heard that song, Gangnam Style, uh, that came out. The first time I ever heard that song was at that race. It was back in November, and it's, they're, they're blaring this music. And, and uh, so I got in that first group, and it's a really small group. And part of the reason I didn't know where to go, but I thought, wow, there's really a, a small group here, and there's this huge group, and the second group. And so I went in this first group, and what happened was uh, I started running, and you know, you, you just feel, you know, if you run a race of any kind, you just feel that adrenaline flowing. And so I started running, and uh, I knew it because after the first mile, I'm just, you know, running along and, and, and keeping up with the group. And then I look at my wife, and it was, you know, way faster than I could ever anticipate it. And I tell you, it was a, a, a tremendous race for the first 10 miles. Uh, it was awesome. I was on, on a great pace. It was awesome. But as you know, a, mar- a half marathon is 13 miles. And those first 10 miles were, you know, great and awesome. And then I, I started getting cramps. And I started getting tightening in my legs. And I tell you, the, the, the last three miles of that race... Uh, was one of the most challenging things physically I had to go through. And we had this killer hill that, that kind of went up. If you've been in Santa Barbara, it's uh, Cliff Drive, and you go up this hill, and then the last two miles, you go downhill. And uh, I was, uh, you know, the first ten miles, I was thanking all the volunteers. I was encouraging the other runners. I was really out of myself. I thought, I want to shine and be like Jesus here. I want to show, you know, uh, those last three miles, I ignored people. I, I, didn't, I didn't even look up. People were, you know, I, I just, I was just praying that I could finish a race. And the good news is that I did finish a race. But I think it has a lot to do, I thought about the spiritual implications. And a lot of times, you know, honestly, we are baptized and we feel like that starting the race. We're feeling great. In fact, we make probably, uh, you know, if you look at your life, you've made tremendous changes in your life when you studied the Bible and were baptized. Radical changes. People looked at you and say, wow, what happened? 
And yet, as we go in our Christianity, the farther along and as years go by and even as decades go by, suddenly those, those changes aren't as easily seen. Because God's working on the inner parts of our hearts. Those outward changes, when we repent of sexual morality, when we repent of, of some of these outward sins, it's a radical change. But God takes time to really develop our characters on the inside. And those are those deeper parts that I want to talk about today. How God really wants to transform our characters to be more and more like Christ. It is the growth of our characters that will oftentimes make the difference between staying faithful to the end through the good times and challenging times and finishing strong. You know, we don't just want to finish. We want to, first of all, our goal is to finish the race. Amen? We all want to finish faithful. I know I was talking to uh, one of the brothers earlier. Uh, I know uh, a a friend of ours, uh, uh, Bruce Matthews, who was in the ministry here in Los Angeles. He he, uh, uh, passed away this last year, actually, in a kiteboarding accident in Wichita, Kansas. And, uh, you know, the thing I love about Bruce, he, he stayed faithful to the end. He was always an a incredibly zealous brother, and uh, he stayed faithful to the end. But, you know, when I think about our lives, that's our number one goal, to stay faithful to the end. Amen? Right. But we also want to fa- stay faithful and finish strong. You know, I don't want to be like how I finished the half marathon, just kind of limping across. I pray that when I go, when my time is called, that I can say, I finished a race, but I finished strong because I had the character to see me through to the very end. That's why we do need to have the end in mind, not just the start. For many of us here, uh, we've been in our journey and our walk with God and even our race uh, for quite a while. And I want to encourage us to really finish strong, however much long God has for us. I want to ask you tonight, what is a character trait that God is wanting you to grow in the most? You know, if you're taking notes, write down, what is that character trait? And maybe it comes right to the top of your head. Maybe you think, well, I I know it's, it's pride. It's selfishness. It's bitterness. It's my anger or my temper. If you're not sure, you can always ask your spouse. Because I guarantee you they'll, they'll have an answer. You know, to say, what character trait do I need to really grow in the most? And I want you to focus on that character trait tonight as we talk. Because I really want us to go and, and really dig in the deeper vessels of our heart. And really let God get in there to really change our characters from the inside out so that we can be transformed in character. We're going to do a, a quick Bible study here in, in Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. You know, the calling of the first disciples. Mark 1, 17 and 18. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In Mark chapter 2, verse 14, goes along and says, As he walked along, he saw Levi, Simon, Alphaeus, sitting at the tax, collector, tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Mark chapter 10, verse 21, the rich young man, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. In John 1, 35-39, when two of John's disciples said, what do you want? You know, and, and they answer, well, where are you staying? I mean, not, not the uh, uh, best answer, I would say. If, if Jesus asked you, what do you want? You know, you probably could come up with a little something better than where are you staying. But they, Jesus said to them, come and see. And they spent that day with Him. You know, when we decide to become disciples of Jesus, 
The first thing we need to do is follow Him. The first thing we need to do is really surrender our lives and our hearts to be transformed in character. And I, and I say this because I think a lot of times uh, we skip over the following and get right to being a fisher of men. And sometimes we'll study the Bible with people and look at Mark 1, the calling of the first disciples, Matthew 28. We'll look at and talk about going and making disciples. And yet sometimes we overlook the necessity to follow Jesus and become like Him. Before we do anything for Him, we need to first be like Him. You know, our goal is to be like Christ. Our goal is to be transformed in character. To be more like Jesus. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, you know, we're doing a, a series right now in Santa Barbara in our midweek series on, on the book of 1 John. And, and John writes in 1 John 2, 6, Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. You know, if we're going to claim to be in Christ, we must walk as Jesus did. Amen. And I want you to consider who wrote this. The Apostle John. Now, what was the Apostle John given as a nickname when he was appointed an apostle? Anyone know here? He was called Boanerges, which means the sons of thunder. Him and his brother James. So when they were appointed apostles, they were given the nickname sons of thunder. Luke chapter 9, 51 through 56, they were going through a Samaritan village and they weren't very responsive. They weren't very open to the gospel. So what does John and James say? Hey, Lord, do you want me to call down fire from heaven and destroy this place? And Jesus rebukes them right there. So you consider who's writing this here. We've got the apostle John known as the son of thunder, someone who had a short temper had an anger issue. His character was one of, you know, what happened in Luke 9, being rebuked by the Lord because of his, his kind of his demeanor. And here we are, three and a half years spending with Jesus. He could write in 1 John, being known as the apostle of love. When he followed Jesus, his life radically changed. His character radically changed. He went from a son of thunder to the apostle of love. And today, as you look at your character, I want you to think about how God is transforming and how God wants you to transform your character. That people could look at you and, and say, wow, you are not the same person. Even five years ago or even two years ago. You know, again, I believe that our characters need to continually change more and more the closer we get to heaven. It shouldn't be that we look back and say, wow, I made all these great changes. I, I became a Christian and... But, you know, more recently, I don't know if I've really changed a whole lot. That, that's really not the life that God has planned for us if we live a life of purpose. We've got to make sure that it's not just about talking and what we say and walking what we do, but that we are transformed to be more like Christ on the inside. And that's going to take specifically imitating. Imitating Jesus. And look at your character trait, whatever it is that you want to grow in and really want to go after. Then I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to think about how Jesus was that way. And, and as a little assignment to do is, is just do a character study on Jesus in that area that you want to change. Again, maybe it's pride. You know, do a study on Jesus' humility and say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus and become like Him. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's looking at saying, how, how was Jesus a giver? You know, maybe it's anger. How did Jesus become such a patient, He was a loving 
and gentle, and he just didn't go and fly off the handle. How, whatever it is for yourself. Look over in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 28. God is wanting to transform our characters from the inside out. We're going to get to a few practicals here in a minute. But again, I want to uh, just look at some scriptures. Romans chapter 8, and verse 28. And it's one of my favorite passages. It says that God works for the good of those who love Him, called according to His purpose. God predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. I actually paraphrase. Let me, let me go and read that uh, in its full entirety. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called... Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. You know, God is working on us. And He predestined us to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Now, we are all a work in progress today. Amen? None of us have arrived. And until the day we die and go to be with the Lord, we're going to continue to have our lives transformed in our characters for the rest of our lives. Look over with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And again, this whole idea of being transformed. Being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unfilled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. You know, when someone is being transformed and changed in characters, in their character, it's people can see it. Because you're reflecting the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is a spirit. You know, it says here that we are being transformed into His likeness with an ever-increasing glory. You know, can we say that about our lives today? That we're being transformed with a greater and greater glory. More and more. It's getting better and better. My Christianity is, is getting more and more awesome. Because I'm changing and growing in character, being transformed to be like Jesus. Our characters is essentially the sum of our habits. It's how you habitually act. You know, when you think about your character, kind of who you are. Uh, What are you like? What do you just do? Kind of by habit. That's just who you are. That's what our character is. And God uses His Word as we learn to be like Jesus. He uses people that can help disciple us. And He uses circumstances where life can either make us bitter or better to mold us. And all three of these areas are crucial if we were to have our characters transformed to be more like Christ. You know, let's talk first about the Word of God. You know, for me, I tell you, selfishness was uh, one of the biggest sins that that I really need to repent of when I became a disciple. And perhaps it was growing up uh, with a family of six, being the youngest. Anyone here the youngest of their families? Uh, You know, maybe you get a little spoiled. uh, You get things handed to you. You become the favorite in many ways. And, uh, you know, maybe that was kind of ingrained in me. But I know that when I study the Bible, it became so obvious how selfish I am. And typically when someone is really selfish, you don't think you're really selfish. You just think that's kind of who you are. And yet studying the scriptures and reading things like John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He gave. That God was a giver by nature. 
that for me to follow Jesus, I need to be transformed to be a giver and not a taker. You know, even after I was baptized, I think about different stories as a young Christian. You know, we think that, wow, you get baptized and it's just awesome. But you know, God just is beginning to work on your character. You make those decisions to repent, and then you've got a lifetime of God teaching you through His Word to really repent and grow in character and be like Jesus. I remember at different times, I remember a campus uh, as a baby Christian going to uh, Friday Night Devo uh, there in, in Minneapolis. And gathering together and, and having a great Devo. And immediately after Devo, just, just taking off. And uh, I know that they were wondering where I went. I'd, I'd gone by myself to go to the movies to see The Prince's Bride. That was, uh, that was what I did for Friday Night Diva. As soon as, as soon as Diva was over, I was out of there to watch The Prince's Bride by myself. And I thought that was normal. That's just kind of, you know, I was already baptized. Yes, I did become a disciple. Uh, and that's just kind of what I thought. And I didn't realize that, wow, that's, that's kind of selfish. You know, you want to be part of the fellowship. I remember at different times. I remember when uh, uh, just... A time when the uh, the evangelist got all the uh, the uh, campus brothers together after midweek, and he said, and this is after I uh, maybe was a year old as a disciple, and he got everyone together and said, "Okay, how many of you want to go in the full time ministry?" And there's about 16 of us or so there at the time. And back then, uh, you know, late 80s, those of you around in the late 80s, you knew that that was what everyone did. Everyone wanted to go in the full time ministry, and you know, everyone raised their hand except for one person. That was me. Because I wasn't thinking about what I could do for God. I was just, no, I don't want to do that. And everyone else had raised their hand, and I was the only one. Because I was still so selfish by nature. I wasn't thinking about what I could do for God's kingdom. I was still thinking so much about myself. It's taking God's Word. And it takes God's Word now. I tell you, I struggle with you know, uh, my selfishness, and it shows up in many different ways. I need my times with the Lord. When we talk about walking with God, I know I need to walk with God every day. Because if I don't, I'll be selfish to the core. You know, when Rebecca and I got married 16 years ago, I thought I had grown a lot in my selfishness and not being selfish. And I tell you, you get married, and you see the depths of your selfishness like never before. And it came out in, in ugly ways in my marriage, just how selfish I was and, and drawn into myself. And I remember one time Rebecca was just, she didn't know what to do. And uh, she, she called up uh, my disciple at the time and he said, you know, just, just give him some time. He'll come around. And this is after I've been a disciple for many years. You know, then I thought, well, I've really grown in my selfishness and I've really changed. And, I, I'm, and then we had children. And I tell you, if you want to know about selfishness in the deeper way, it's when you have kids. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, with, with their firstborn, mothers have that instinct where they can, you know, the slightest noise, they can hear their baby crying. And, you know, I just slept right through that. You know, I, I was so selfish. I just need my rest. And so I learned a lot about just being more of a giver, even as their kids ha- have grown up. But, you know, it's an area that God is working on me. He's using His Word. I read about Jesus and I have such a long way still to be like Jesus. I look at Jesus and I think, wow, He is so giving. I get times when, when I uh, try to have my time and my kids come and interrupt me and I know I struggle with selfishness. I just want to be by myself. And then I think about Jesus. He went off early in the morning to pray in Mark 1 and then what happened? All the people were looking for Him. 
And Jesus was ready to meet needs. As soon as the need was there, He was ready to meet it. I still have so much farther to grow to be like Jesus. But God uses His Word. God is using His Word right now to want us to change and grow in our characters. You know, second thing that God uses is people. God uses people in our life to transform your character. Selfishness and pride have been deeper in my character. And it shows up in many different ways. The pride shows up in independence. It shows up in being self-reliant. Uh, it shows up for me in always thinking I'm right. Uh, I tell you, Rebecca and I, we still get in bumps and arguments at times. We have to you know, get together with Ron and Renee. And I, I seriously, I still go in thinking... I know when we get with Ron and Renee, they'll straighten Rebecca out. And, and uh, you know, I know they're going to see it the way I see it. And, and inevitably it, it fails and it's, it's me that needs to repent. And you think I will learn by now because this has happened over and over. And yet it's still, there's a deep pride ingrained in me to think that all is right. I, I struggled with this. Before I became a Christian, I was extremely argumentative. I always, I had this, this nature about me that I thought I was always right. I would like to get into arguments just to prove I was right. Even if I didn't even believe it. I just wanted to argue with you to show you that I was right. It's taken so much discipling and help not to be selfish and not to be prideful to consider others better than yourselves. I still remember the very first bump that Rebecca and I got in in our marriage. We had uh, got married uh, December 7th of 1996. And we went to Hawaii for a honeymoon and had a great time in, in Honolulu for a week. And we're getting ready to uh, fly back, you know, after our uh, honeymoon. It's an incredible week together. And so we're waiting for the plane. We got there early and said, well, let's kill some time. Let's, let's get some cards from the, the, the gift shop. So we get a pair of cards and we play this game called uh, Pounce. Uh, or uh, there's, it goes by other names. But we started playing this game. And, and uh, Rebecca beat me one game. And so we play another game. And Rebecca beats me again. And I'm very competitive by nature. Again, that's where a lot of my pride comes out. And then she beats me again. And, um, you know, I'm at this point getting a little bit, you know, she's, she's on a roll here. And then at one part of the game, I, I'm stuck where I couldn't play anything. And the way I play is if you're stuck, you wait till someone else plays and then you put your card down. Well, I noticed when Rebecca got stuck, the way she played was she didn't wait for me to play. She just flipped a card over and then just continued her thing. And so I caught her. She was cheating. And so, uh, in my mind, she was cheating. So I called her out on it. And, and we got into this huge bump right there at the airport because I was super competitive. And uh, that, that was our first bump. And we still have those cards to this day. It's a reminder of me being humble with my wife. But, you know, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I won uh, that. I want to let her win. But, you know, I look at my marriage, how my marriage through my wife, God has transformed my, has transformed my character and my pride. Uh, I think about even, and my selfishness, I think about the end of this last year. You know, honestly, I was not a very good husband. And uh, I think about my attitude with Rebecca toward the end of this last year. I got to the point where I would do things she asked me to do, but I started really getting critical. And uh, I had these flashbacks, for whatever reason, back to when I was a kid. When I was the youngest of six kids, my my brothers uh, would actually fight over me to be their slave. So uh, they would get into fights 
to have my service for the day, I used to have to take my brother's shoes off, get them the paper, get them something to drink, and they would boss me around as being the youngest of six, and they would actually get into arguments over who's going to have me for the day. And so when Rebecca started asking me to do things, I started having these flashbacks of being told what to do by my brothers. And I started doing these things, but you know what? I started getting this attitude with Rebecca. And instead of being humble, instead of being open, instead of being serving and giving like a good husband should be, I started getting these critical attitudes. I started thinking to myself, she'd ask me, honey, can you go and get me some water? And I went and got the water, but you know, the whole time I'm thinking, you got two hands, you got two feet, why don't you get it yourself? Why do I need to get it for you? Now, I didn't say any of this, but this was my attitude. And so I'd even bring her the water, kind of set it down, and, and this went on for a while. And, you know, it just brought out more and more my pride. I wasn't the serving husband that Jesus says we need to be, or the Scriptures teach us that Paul says in Ephesians. And I'd really seen, again, my selfishness and pride in deeper ways. God is using people in all of our lives to teach us to grow and be transformed in our character. Robert Coleman, who wrote Master Plan of Evangelism, uh, said this quote, All the principles of discipleship can be learned in raising kids. You know, your kids are helping you transform in your character, whether you know it or not. You might think that, you know, whatever they're going through, but they are ones that are helping you learn in your discipleship and be transformed in character. Kaylin Kylie have taught me a lot about being humble and about being giving. And uh, I love my kids. They've taught me a tremendous amount. God puts people in our life to build our characters. I want you to think right now about different people who have discipled you in your life. People that have been instrumental in helping you be the man of God that you are today. I think about different people in my life. Phil Moore, Jeff Mantle, Larry Head, Eric Mansfield, Steve Stevenson, Daryl Reed, Ron Drabo, Tim Burnett, Charlie Sawyer, more recently in the last few years, Ryan Quinn. And I know these men have helped me grow and be transformed in character. That without them, uh, I wouldn't be nearly who I am today. And I think about, there's some brothers on this list that actually were very opposite in character than I am. Actually, the first few disciples that I had uh, were, were very hard line. And you know what? That, that's not me by nature. And I know exactly that's what I needed in my life. Because God was teaching me to be more like them. I needed to be more like these people. You know, the challenging people in your life. I want to give you a little different perspective. The challenging people that are in your life right now. Maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a brother that you just don't naturally get along with. But consider that God has put the challenging people in your life, or that challenging person at work, or the challenging family member, specifically to help you build your character. Because He knows that for you to grow in the character that you need to grow in, it's going to take resources from all different angles. And God will use all kinds of people to help you grow. God has continually teached me to be humble and to be selfless. You know, I, I think about uh, one of the, the big challenges I have in my pride is just being self-reliant. I, I have to work so hard not to rely on my hard work, my knowledge, my just cranking and getting out there. And God has to continually teach me to be humble before Him and to rely on Him. I remember a couple years back when... Um, We'd been in Santa Barbara for a while and, and really had come to a point where it was, it was getting challenging. We, we, uh, we were growing, but not the way we wanted to. And I just remember a talk with Ron uh, Quint at the Baja Fresh. 
and he sat down with me and said, bro, you know what? You came here with so much faith, with so much vision of what you want to see God do, and it now seems like all you're focused on is the problems. And I tell you, it was one of those talks that just was revolutionary for me. Just that talk that helped me see that, you know, I've gotten prideful. I've not relied on God. And it set me straight and it really helped change the future in the next couple of years. You know, God continually teaches us about our characters and, and being humble, again, being giving, whatever your character issue is. Uh, I know that uh, God even used uh, Ron and Mike Hammer today to teach me to be humble after we played foosball. So see how God uses people in our life. Alan, amen. Uh, they humbled us. And I thought, see, this is what God's teaching me every day, to be humble before Him. Amen. Okay, let's talk finally about circumstances. God uses His Word. And I want you to, again, do a study in God's Word about your character issue. God uses people. And I want to encourage us to be grateful. When's the last time you said thank you to whoever disciples you? Thank you for being involved in my life and helping me transform my character. God forbid that we would be, you know, take it for granted. God forbid that we would just be upset with those that are trying to help us. Because God does have them in our life for a reason. But thirdly, God uses circumstances. When things happen, it could be financially, in situations, in all different things and circumstances that may happen. God uses these things to build our character. You know, part of my selfishness is my impatience. I'm a very impatient person by nature. I'm one of those guys that when you go to the checkout lane at the grocery store, when you go to Costco, I mean, I'm, I'm a uh, profiler. I look at the clerks, and I look at who's the fastest one. I look at the I always want to get through and get out and, and be done quickly. And I tell you, it, it never fails. I get in line, and it might be the shortest line, but it takes forever. And I know, I'll stay there in line, God, you're teaching me humility. You're teaching me patience. You're teaching me self, not be self-reliant, but rely on you. And I know that God continually teaches me. You know, God taught me so much in having children, like I shared earlier. We, we waited uh, and spent several years to have kids. And it was one of those times in our life that, uh, you know, when, when these circumstances, and we, we've all got them in some area, when there's nothing you can do. And I venture to say right now, there's some things going on in each of our lives here that there's absolutely nothing you can do with all your power and all your might to change that circumstance. And this is how I felt when we were getting, trying to have kids and then finally getting pregnant. And then after we got pregnant, we got the news saying that, you know what, uh, some tests have come back and it looks like your, um, you know, your child uh, has some, some issues. And so we went in and uh, they said, uh, you know, it looks like, and they use all the medical terminology, we didn't really know what they're talking about, but it said there's a possibility she could have Down syndrome. And, you know, I tell you, hearing that news was crushing. Uh, actually, when I was born, with my mom being so old at 40, almost 48, uh, they actually told my parents the same thing when uh, they said I was going to survive, but then they told my parents, you know, it looks like... He's going to be Down syndrome because of all the complications. And, and I praise God that I was born healthy. I mean, I was, I was able to be, nor, I'm not really normal still, but God's somewhat given me some kind of normalcy. But I, I'm grateful to be healthy today. But, you know, getting that news with, with our firstborn was just, uh, it was really challenging. And so we went in and see specialists every month for a period of a few months. And I tell you, it was just one of those things, just praying with Rebecca before we go in, the, in, in to the, see the doctor and just praying when, when it's totally out of our control. 
And then going in, and, and then we had to go through this every month. And then, uh, you know, praise God, God gave us a healthy child, which I'm so grateful for. But I, I'll never forget those times just praying desperately that we just petitioned God. And it forced me to be patient. It forced me to be humble. It forced me to just completely rely on God because there's nothing I could do to change the situation. It was only going to be by God's grace. You know, there are circumstances that God will teach us and show you uh, just to transform your character. It's, it's an amazing thing. You know, back in October 91, one of the most challenging things that happened that year was uh, coming out of the ministry and then my... Uh, Girlfriend at the time, the sister I'd been dating, came back from a trip she had made to Boston and came back, and we got together and she said, I'm going to break up with you. I'm going on the Spain mission planting to Madrid, Spain. This is about the time they're planting the Madrid, Spain church. And I remember at the time being crushed because all this other stuff was going on, and I never understood you know, at, for, for years after, you know, why did this happen, God? Why, how come? You know, this is such a tough time and this has to happen. And it was amazing because about three years ago, we were at church and there's a couple that was visiting. And uh, we started talking after the service and she was, uh, she was, they're visiting disciples from the coastal region. And she was telling me about her background and, and she said, yeah, you know, I, uh, I was actually baptized in Madrid, Spain. I said, whoa, that's, that's amazing. And, and she said, yeah, right after the mission planting went, I was baptized, and this sister is the one who reached out to me, studied with me. I would not be a Christian if it wasn't for this sister. It was a very sister that broke up with me in October of 1991. And I tell you, it gave me a whole new perspective. The whole time, I was a very self-focused, thinking, why did this happen to me? And God had so much bigger things planned. It was for this sister to do great things and help people become Christians. But, you know, my focus was only on me. And sometimes that happens in our character where we get so focused just on me and my world. We don't realize that God has so much bigger plans. God is working in amazing ways and shaping our characters, but we've got to make sure that we transform our characters to be more like Christ. In the movie uh, Evan Almighty, Morgan Freeman plays God. And you probably remember that line in there if you saw the movie. He says, let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does He give them the opportunity to be patient? If you pray for courage, does God give him courage? Or does He give opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for a family to be closer... Do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does He give them opportunities to love each other? And I want you to think about that area of your character that you want to be transformed in. If we're going to live with purpose, it's going to take for us to be transformed in character to be more like Jesus. But that one area that you pray for, again, will God just instantly change you? No, I don't believe. But I believe He's going to give you opportunities. If you're praying to be humble... Guess what? God will give you the opportunity to be humble. It may come in the form of your wife when you get home. If you're praying to be giving, if you're praying to be to overcome your, your, your temper and, and your anger, will God just instantly make you a, you know a even tempered? Or will He give you the opportunity? He's going to give you the opportunity. And in these opportunities, I want to challenge us. Be transformed, be like Jesus. To imitate and follow Jesus. To say, you know what, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm, yes, I'm going to go make fishers of men. I'm going to make disciples. But the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to follow you and be like Christ. To imitate your Son. I want us to make a decision this weekend. To let God continue to transform us 
in our characters to be like Jesus. It's going to take God's Word. It's going to take digging into God's Word and drawing from the Scriptures and drawing strength so that we can be different. It's going to take people in our life. You know, it's going to take asking uh, for others and not just waiting for them to come to you to point something out, but even to go after them and say, hey, how can you help me in this area? How can you see me be different? I was having a, a conversation with another brother earlier and they talked about, you know, uh, someone mentioning about, you know, they're saying this character issue that you have, but ask specific questions. How can I change? How can I be different? What can I work on? What do you see in me that needs to change? And then let the circumstances that you're going through right now. Again, all of us have some kind of circumstances. See beyond the circumstance and see it as an opportunity that God is using to really grow in your character, be transformed, to be more like Jesus. Amen.